last episode on the Brute Norse podcast. The marsh. I have never lived in a more formal place. Oh yeah, it's an intimate place. Spikes, my heads put on, and sacrificing humans. <laughs> you can go through water to come to the gods. It's like portal to the other one. You're listening to the soothing sounds of the Brute Norse podcast. It is I, Eirik Storesund. Coming to you barely live from the urban swamp of New York. The city that never sleeps, but everybody talks about leaving, yet they never seem to do. In the last episode, we talked about the earliest development of aquatic sacrifices in prehistoric Scandinavia and the symbolism of water in Northern European myth and folklore. Water is a universal symbol of purity and transience. This was the case also in the pre-Christian North, for example. The practice of splashing newborn children with water, in conjunction with naming ceremonies, seems to have been well established even in pagan times. In the beginning of last episode, we also looked at how water acts as a liminal threshold, separating this world from the next, and how this even seems reflected in many Viking Age burials, not only by burying the dead in ships, but also placing their graves on either natural or artificial islands. The Lanomabuk which is a sort of saga census, you could say, of the early Icelandic settlement, describes the abode of a certain Thorolver Mostrarskeg, who uprooted his temple in western Norway and established a new sacred site on Iceland. There was a mountain there by Breiðarfjörður, which he dedicated to Thor and called it Helgafell, or Holy Mountain. Thorolver decreed that no man was allowed to even look at this mountain if they hadn't washed themselves first. Some news from the old country. An old controversy recently erupted in Norway because of a historical play depicting a reenactment of a 13th century ritual procession in honor of Saint Nicholas, or Nikurs, as he is called locally at the site. The site in question is the medieval Eidsborg stave church in Telemark. The ritual entails that the effigy of Nikurs is carried three times around the church and then down to a nearby lake where it is washed. When the play was last performed, in 2005, the Church of Norway intervened. This may surprise listeners from outside of Scandinavia. Why did they do so? After all, if it's good enough for the Pope, why should there be an issue with the Church of Norway? Well, you see, as a Protestant institution, the Church of Norway does not accept the veneration of saints, and the practice of Catholicism itself was effectively illegal for centuries. This is because... What we can call the second Christianization of Scandinavia was an elite phenomenon initially, where the king decreed that Protestantism was henceforth the official religion of Denmark and Norway. This was in the 1500s, and Catholicism was only really allowed in Norway from the middle 1800s onwards. So that makes it a little bit more understandable, does it? when you consider the fact that the Church of Norway is essentially founded on anti-Catholic sentiment. And actually, Protestantism itself was an anti-syncretic movement, cutting out all of these things that often have very tangible pagan origins. So if venerating a Catholic saint wasn't quite bad enough, the Nichols procession was directly accused of promoting paganism. This is because it is generally assumed that the practice of washing the saint is a layover from a local pagan custom in which statues of gods were ritually bathed. 
This is very similar to what the Roman historian Tacitus describes in the cult of the goddess Nertus in his ethnographic account of the Germanic tribes in the 1st century AD. The church later changed their mind, and in 2018 the Nicholas procession would resume once again for the sake of its historical and educational value, while maintaining that the line between drama and worship must not be crossed. This stirred the ire of local evangelicals, who considered the practice a cult, saying that those who worship people instead of God directly are for all intents and purposes heathens. This goes full circle. As an anti-Catholic statement, it sounds oddly familiar to the Catholic critique of paganism. I see what you did there, Protestants. Yeah, I'm looking at you. The medieval church did not deny the existence of pagan deities per se, but it did deny their godliness and ascribe their power to various tricks and slights that the gods were capable of either originally as wizards and then later as the demons that took their form. But we will not talk much about the worship of people in this episode. We will however talk about bringing them to bodies of water and cutting their throats or hanging them or beating them to death and sometimes all of this at once. The relevance to pre-Christian Norse religion proper, that is to say the religion of the Viking Age, is a little shaky. We don't know if the Vikings did this. In Kjalnesinga saga there is a description of a sacrificial well, or Blutkelda, in which they deposited the bodies of sacrificed men. Though this claim is unsubstantiated archaeologically, it does mirror similar claims made by Adam of Bremen as well as other inquiries about the heathen ways of various northern European cultures. And though it remains a question whether Viking Age Scandinavians ever did such things, there can be no doubt that human sacrifice was practiced by their ancestors. And it did actually occur at various points in European prehistory, prominently among Germanic and Celtic-speaking peoples in southern Scandinavia and Ireland in the centuries before the birth of Christ. Today we will look at quite a selection of bog bodies and scrape together what we can about how they lived and how they died. We will look at the widespread practice of Scandinavian weapon sacrifice and look at some of the many other things that people dumped to the gods' delight, from pleats of hair to butter. You're listening to the Fruit Norse Podcast, and this is Wetland Sacrifice Part 2. Okay, wetland sacrifices. How? Yeah. Where does it go from here? So, so what we do see is the increased uh, use of people, yeah, uh, as a means to probably communicate with the gods. Something is happening, definitely, and not for the better, it seems. Oh. Uh, I always refrain from putting words into their mouths, but um, but there is a lot of stuff going on, and it doesn't uh, make Scandinavia a better place, at least, uh, mm. which probably you know could also. The, you know, explain why there's so many people have to uh, leave this world for the other. <laughs> but it is interesting phenomenon that suddenly in the pre-Roman Iron Age, which is from around 500 to uh, the birth of Christ, um, there is an extremely high amount of people being sacrificed. Of course, when I say extremely high amounts, not like uh, you know genocide people going from village to village, just <laughs> yeah, trying people into lakes, but. Yeah. 
But the, but con considering the uh, the population density in this uh, in this area, and considering how many bug bodies we have in yeah. Scandinavia, especially southern Scandinavia, mind you, which is where the highest density is, and parts of northern Germany, mm. uh, throughout Germany, but also uh, Ireland and uh, well, probably Ireland, but also in Scotland, there are some indications that this was a practice. Uh, which some people have said there's like a clear link that between Ireland and the like pre 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 Viking uh, contact going on across the mm -hmm. Atlantic, we don't really know for sure, but um, but they, they, they do sacrifice people. Yeah. Uh, so so what you're saying, considering the population density, this is a fairly common occurrence. Uh, we need to keep in mind that. The reason we have these bug bodies in the first place is because of uh, cutting turf. You know? Yeah. So if it weren't for people actually going out there draining the swamp, then we wouldn't have had these bug bodies in the first place. So for whatever development or, or what have you, uh, if that didn't take place, we would have never known about them. But the biggest problem we've uh, we face nowadays, which I didn't back in the 18th and 19th century when most of these bug bodies were uh, exhumed, is that uh, there's a lot of pollution nowadays. So they deteriorate way oh, more quickly. Shit. So basically, they're, they're, they're just disappearing. we got to find them all. <laughs> we got to find them all. <laughs> Don your clothes and just head out there. But it's, uh, it's also because we no longer use turf as a material, at least in Scandinavia, yeah. at least less frequently. Uh, with that said, though, of course, in Ireland, they do use a lot of turf still uh, for fuel or for other purposes. And they, they do find remains... On, on a regular basis, not just human remains, mind you, but also, you know, um, there might be barrels, there might be, uh, you know, pins, dress accessories, what have you, uh, yeah. and a lot of organic material because of, of, of the way they're working the land, as it were. And, um, and because we've just decided that uh, fossil fuels is not for us in Scandinavia, we want electricity, clean energy they call it, um, then, um, then yeah, we don't find these in the same frequency as we did in the past. Mm. Uh, but we do have, of course, excavations uh, of um, like um, uh, lakes, or what least would have been a lake back in the day uh, if it weren't because they were trained uh, and, and marshes and what have you. And they're being like scientifically conducted uh, excavations uh, in Denmark. Mm. Um, so, so, so they do find uh, human remains still, um, and and bug bodies. But it, that's one of the biggest issues. It's like you have uh, remains of a human uh, dating to the pre-Roman Iron Age, but it's only skeletal remains. Was it once a body, or is it just remains of a body being thrown into the bug and mm, it having yes. deteriorated? We don't really know always what we're looking at. Um, but uh, and I should also mention, just for the, just to make it very clear, is that a bug body, mostly if not always, is um, the remains of the whole body, yes, or, or, or parts of a whole body where the skin has actually tanned itself. It's like it's become leather. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 if, if the, the, the bug has tanned your skin into leather. Fascinating chemistry. When Axel and I, when we go to Copenhagen maybe one of our favorite cities on earth uh we always it's go just, yeah. down the, just down the road from the train station we can go to the national museum and we go mm. look at all these amazing finds bog bodies of course then you have you, you go down you see the tollen man you know and mm. he's uh, he's got 
His face is like a shoe. Yeah. Could, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's leather. It's, it's, yes, it is leather. That is, that is a process of the chemistry um, because the swamps uh, or in the wetlands, they're an anaerobic environment. Mm. So bacteria uh, and oxygen doesn't um, thrive there. And oxygen, of course, it doesn't get to the bodies that are you know, submerged. Um, and as long as there is water, um, they'll be preserved. But you know, with the increased amount of uh, draining the swamps, there's less and less and less... Um, Oh. Uh, bodies to be found hmm. and you know there I should mention just briefly that um, in the same period as many of these were being found people were starting to industri industrialize agriculture which is why they started to drain more and more and more swamps across Europe um, and um, you know we have to keep in mind that the landscape of prehistoric Europe was consisting of forests uh, trees and a lot of marshes and wetlands and like waterlogged areas and it's not until modern day you know uh, post 18th century that the landscape looks like it does now um, with uh, a lot of arable land and um, so so the industrialization has definitely uh, put its mark uh, not just uh, on us but also on landscape uh, mm. clearly and um, but yeah, so so these um, these people that were, were sacrificed, uh, we assume, or you know, not necessarily all of them, but many of them, um, has either you know been killed through uh, strangulation, uh, suffocation. Um, they've been stabbed multiple times. Sometimes Oof. they had their uh, throat cuts. They've uh, been mutilated. Uh, but perhaps during while they were alive or shortly after especially the most heinous and gruesome ways if, if you I mean depends on your perspective I guess. I'm, 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 more, I'm more fascinated by it than, than, than like shocked but in Ireland for instance there is indications of extreme violence to the corpse um, perhaps when the individual was alive okay so he's being Tortured to death. Well, he's being decapitated slowly. Slowly. Like. Or, How do you or, decapitate or, somebody slowly? It's 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 difficult to say. It's it's the 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 uh, the archaeology doesn't always have the tools to to give you a clear answer. But so, for instance, there is one bug body in Ireland um, where the individual has uh, been cut into basically parts. Um, and they diced him. Yeah, they actually, yeah, well, nearly. Is that the guy with the gelled hair? No, uh, oh. that's that's another guy. Um, old Krogan man, yeah. Old Krogan man. Old Krogan man. <laughs> Good old Krogan man. Yeah, so you have uh, uh, in Ireland the remains, a r rather recent find, um, of a man that met his uh, demise, you could say. Um, his, his name, or at least the name that's been given to him, is Old Krogan Man. I probably botched that pronunciation, but... Um, and it's an Irish Iron Age bug body uh, uncovered or found in 2003, uh, summer 2003. Hmm. I think it was during uh, peat cutting or you know um, that's the context of it or, or you know, the circumstances um, and it's an interesting find because well let's just say that there's not much of him 
And that's not because of the uh, preservation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, first and foremost, um, he's assumed to have lived in around uh, 300 or 400 BC to about uh, 150, 200 BC. So, he's well over 2,000 years old by now. And um, he was probably uh, killed in his early 20s. So, for you young people out there... (laughs) (laughs) And... He uh, was uh, put into the bog uh, nude, so there were no clothes or anything, save for a leather uh, band around his upper arm, Hmm. uh, his left arm. Perhaps, perhaps, but it gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, so um, we know that uh, he died from stab wound to the chest. But what more is that after he died, uh, or probably... Uh, during we don't really know <laughs> i mean who knows i mean you, you might get stabbed but it doesn't necessarily mean you're dead uh, there and then but uh afterwards uh he'd been decapitated and had his body cut in half for whatever reason half yeah and um his um arm shows indications of uh, injury um uh, which might indicate that he tried to defend himself for whatever reason. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't why know would why. he struggle? Why would he <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, that's, well, it's an interesting question, though, because if this is uh, sacrificial, let's say that um, the community had decided that you, of all people, you, the, the noble son of the chieftain, uh, or, you know, because seeing he's 20 years old, you know, he's yeah. just started his life, oh. uh, you have to die. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, man, it's, it's no! your turn. You're, you're up here next, you know, it's ah! like, <laughs> and you try to, you know, get away from this madness. It's, 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 uh, it's Wicker Man all over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wicker Man, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's basically this, you know, and, and, and he's uh, trying to, I don't know, trying to get away and it just you know, catch up with him. And this is his fate, essentially, to piece some, uh, some mad god or who knows yeah. <laughs> on the other side. But he doesn't want a whole, a whole body, he wants a half a body. Mm. So perhaps they can, you know, save the other half for, uh, for hard times. Or I'm guessing like. it's uh, divided at the waist or something then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not like cut in like... I'm not like no 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 I'm not vertically no no it's okay. it's horizontally okay or depending yeah. upon depending upon how you lie when it cuts you you know it could be one or the other hmm. yeah good <laughs> question um, many questions here but also um, there is uh, there's this other feature <laughs> which is probably even more so interesting is that uh, he had deep cuts underneath each of his nipples well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and um, of course, it's uh, it could be it's uh, an indication of him being tortured <laughs> while alive. I'm I'm touching um, mine right now just to make sure that they're safe. Okay, or they were um, deliberately, you know, uh, mutilated after his death. Uh, it's hard to say, but um, hmm. well, yeah, it's um, it's possible though. But the thing is that uh, when they um, took. Uh, uh, and, and analyzed uh, his stomach uh, content. He actually seemed to have. Well, his, the last meal he had, for instance, was wheat and buttermilk. Hmm. I mean, it's not bad actually. Yeah, it's been. Uh... Especially wheat, considering, yeah. you know, what kind of cereal it is. And uh, this being Ireland, I, I guess back then, 
Sure, sure, you could, you know, grow wheat. Uh, of course, it would have been a primitive, not a modern wheat, but uh, an earlier one. Uh, perhaps even more hardy in that climate. Um, yeah. And not only that, but he had, through his life, at least uh, up to four months prior to his death, had a, a rich meat diet. So ah. he gorged himself on a lot of meat. So he was well treated. Yeah. He was being uh, groomed for sacrifice. Well, perhaps, but then the question is, where do all the... Well, yeah, sure, groomed, uh, but also, why would he struggle if he yeah. knew his... Why, or was, we know, why was he so... This, this is like the trade-off. We're going to feed you all kinds of shit. You're going to live well and, you know, probably fornicate, who knows, you know. Yeah. Uh, and towards the end of your uh, happy times, we're going to uh, sacrifice you. I know, hypothetically, he started to regret and just... <laughs> try to get out of it <laughs> just get get all the good stuff and just leave you know while while he still has a chance and they just caught up with him and i don't know wasn't that the case with the the danish tolden man as well the, he seems to have been prepped in advance for... yes yes um and tolden man i mean i'm not gonna go i guess we could go chronologically through each and every bug body but i'm not gonna do no, that no, let's no, just let's, like let's, let's just do it thematically yeah yeah yeah. just cherry pick here and there and whatever yeah um but uh, the Ptolemand is also definitely a case where you have an individual, a tall individual, mind you. Uh, and, and, and that only goes to show that, uh, I mean, his ancestry, probably, if you will, or it's just more of a rare occurrence, but that most likely his ancestors, his, you know, his kin and what have you, they weren't poor people, let's mm. say. You know, they had ample access to uh, resources, food, and he was uh, around 180. Now, uh, 180, Jesus. Yeah, my, my height, incidentally. Yeah, he's taller and, than me. Yeah, but many people are taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm taller than that, that gel-haired uh, Irish bog body, though. You, you are, you are. You have that going for you. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that one afterwards. But, but mind yeah. you, though, I mean, uh, if, if, if you include his... Uh, his um, uh, because he had like a bundle sticking out on top of his head, oh, yeah. he might actually be taller than you. <laughs> because mm. you have to include that as well. Because his, I mean, uh, his hair was put up in a hairstyle uh, with um, hair gel or grease or you know, it's it's like a hair gel. It, it, it's it's imported. Um, Let's talk about him afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, tall man. He clearly had a good way of life. Uh, there's few to no indications of him having uh, lived a hard life, let's say. And of course, there's always uh, the the problem interpreting a bog body because it's been in the bog for so long that it will also uh, morph the body. So, for morph instance, with uh, Tolum Man, he's shorter than he was originally because uh, his body is shrinked. He's <laughs> he's shriveled up. He's shriveled up, yeah. yeah. Uh, literally, you know, that's what happens when you get turned into leather, I guess. <laughs> so <yeah>. good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But um but yeah, so so he's he's shorter than he originally would have been and um there's no indications uh, on, on on the bug body itself that he was uh, living the hard life. And his uh, diet was also really good and he he had a lot of good food before he was, you know, uh, hanged. His last meal essentially was porridge and gruel or porridge gruel whatever um a lot of it it seems it seems that he had a ample you know meal to say he wasn't starving at the time of death of course porridge isn't something you would associate with the higher classes or rich people no. because it's something that everyone would have access to especially also when you uh, throw in uh, like uh, wild seeds just whatever you have in around you yeah this guy is just getting by yeah 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 but but um 
it's it could also be the time of year we have to be careful of saying one thing or the other um and it's uh, it's, it's a bug body that has um, a rich history you know recently in, in danish history anyways you know it's fine circumstances what have you and uh, of course being displayed for so long um the um the body the, the tollen man was uh, actually found in 1950 uh, so and it's kind of become like uh, for some danish people especially through the uh, danish cartoon uh, that deals with danish uh, prehistory it's become kind of like uh, the the spirit of Denmark in a way yeah it's a mascot <laughs> yeah in a way yeah, yeah. um and incidentally, you know, the Danes, they have like a actually good um, uh, and healthy relationship to their ancestry, if you will, their heritage. Yeah, I think that the Danes are exemplary when it comes yeah, yeah. to... Uh, Way better than any other Scandinavian country. Yeah. Um, and, and because they, they have like uh, ample knowledge of pretty much each and every prehistoric archaeological period and, and throughout you know, the whole... Um, prehistory of Denmark. Yeah, and they don't seem ashamed so, of it. No, 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 just no, celebrate no, no. Exactly. Yeah. But that, that's a digression, of course. But um, but yeah, there were no uh, indications that he'd struggled uh, beforehand. There were no indications, like, you know, with the Irish uh, bug body that uh, he was being mistreated afterwards. Uh, it's, it's just almost like a peaceful, like you come to grips that this is your fate and mm. just enjoy your last time and just, you know, just yeah. get on with it. It's like, so long. So long, yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, it, it is also in a way when, when they excavated the body and uh, the circumstances, you know, his shape, it almost looks like he's sleeping. Yeah. It's like he's, he's taking his final nap, you know, and just never woke up again. So peaceful and... And yes, it's tranquil, tranquil, I would say. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, I guess the, the, the very strangulation was probably a bit more violent, <laughs> but I mean, it tends to be, but... Um, True, but yeah. yeah. But the difference is pretty large, I would say, like, comparing to the previous example. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and incidentally, this is during the si- same time period as the uh, as the other broke body, so it's between 400-200 BC, thereabouts. Um and it's interesting that we don't have that, those uh, gruesome, quote unquote, gruesome uh, acts uh, in Scandinavia as we, as they do in Ireland, where they're like really mistreated bodies. Yeah, well, they're uh, savages. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it's interesting though that we have this same way of of dealing with um, humans. Uh, you know, uh, have. Same way of dealing with humans in Ireland as they do in Scandinavia, or at least in southern Scandinavia. Um, and it's such a big area, you know. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, um, some people say that uh, the reason they were sacrificing humans is because, as I said, you know, they don't have metal anymore. And the human uh, spirit, the human body, is um, just bit shy <laughs> as important as as gold and, and precious metals so precious metals would always rank higher than than human body perhaps in, in scandinavia mind you i can kind of see why <clears throat> see the appeal of sacrificing people you want to make sure that the message gets through exactly that is of course if if, if there actually is an idea that you're going to be like a messenger we don't know yeah we, if, we don't if, really know if, if, if they would have seen it as such um Personally, I, I think that it's, it's the act itself that is... Uh, of course, we have to keep in mind that when you do rituals, you do it for other people, more yeah. so than the gods. 
uh, in a way, I'm probably going to get some people <laughs> on my neck now. Yeah. It's a consensual relationship with, between me and the gods. Sure, sure, sure. You have like the, the intimate, personal, uh, but this is a display. Uh, yeah. And there would have been a lot of people partaking in this. It's not just like one guy killing another guy and just throwing his body into, into, into a lake, you know. Um, uh, well, most likely. Well, <laughs> we have a few of those as well. <laughs> we, we, we'll do, we, do, we do, we do, we do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but the circumstances and um, the way these bodies were treated um, seem to indicate uh, that they were um, a, a communal activity. So and which also includes children, most likely. You know, they would have been there. They would have seen this. We have well, we have so. bog bodies that are children as well. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That, uh, tied up, you know, and just chucked in the, there, uh, there, in there the is, swamp. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is quite a few in uh, in uh, the Netherlands mm. now. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> just leave it to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's about like in Netherlands and yeah, in Germany. low countries still. You can't put a shovel in the uh, in the ground without coming across, you know, some dead child from recent <laughs> or more ancient times. But enough about that. I mean, your words, not mine. <laughs> Bog bodies, there, they're still they never stop making them. Uh, they're just refined yards, eh? <laughs> uh, no, but it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's something that is uh, it also entails young people, uh, middle-aged people, and and, and elderly people, um, mm. and it doesn't seem to discriminate sex uh, or uh, or or you know or, or mm. age groups. How progressive? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course we can't say for certain that sacrificing a young girl, um, if it is indeed a sacrifice, there might have been other circumstances surrounding her death. There is always the difficulty, we don't really actually know hmm. how the individual died, uh, unless there is definite proof, like the, 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 the throat is cut. But the throat could also have been cut after death. Tired parents. Um, perhaps. <laughs> it's a nice way of getting rid of um, no, but it's it's there. There are more angles to this than what is often portrayed. Uh, yeah. We often have a tendency to simplify the past for our own good, you know, because yeah. it's easier to do that than um, than think about the other alternatives. Um, and often, as you know, the saying goes, uh, the simple answer is is often most the correct one. And so, you know, we we see people being sacrificed into or put into lakes, so there might have been sacrifices, you know, uh, and that probably tends to be more so the correct answer for it than any other mm. um, and of course if that is the case then you know and, and there is a communal activity then people would have partaken you know in, in this act of, of, of watching this individual being you know, dismembered or you know or <laughs> or being hanged or you know it's uh, but also also it's yeah. interesting if that is the case let's say why why would you want to hang someone and why would you want to cut someone the, the idea behind it because yeah. we have so many people that are being uh, suffocated by hanging uh, but and we also have people who are being essentially murdered by using an edged uh, yeah. weapon hacked to bits well, yeah, but hack or stabbed. Both the stab. I mean, you yeah. know, it could be with a spear, knife, or or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and uh, of course, you know, there's a lot of research on this, uh, the the way the individual met their demise, and how that perhaps could uh, tell us something about the circumstances of the individual's death. That you know, if it's hanging by by your own hands, you know, <laughs> like suicide, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the, those bodies aren't <laughs> hanging themselves on. You know, <laughs> just like neatly. Just. Not, so, so someone uh, must have moved them there, you know. So, and yeah. um, and and it's also, you know, if, if it is hanging, then most likely um, it would have been a criminal. Uh, you know, like people would have. It's like it's like every summer there's a hanging. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like something to look forward Everybody's to. Everybody's getting together. So. Have a little barbecue, yeah. hang a guy. Yeah. Uh, but there's, <clears throat> you're, you've probably got a good point here that this is this is a public occasion. In later times, we have the sacrifices of cattle and stuff like that, and this seems to have been. Uh, well, not just later, in, in the same time time period as this as well. Yeah, yeah. The animals being sacrificed. But uh, like uh, on on Iceland, for example, <clears throat> they have the uh, the cult site at uh, Hofstadir, mm. uh, where they uh, sacrificed uh, bulls. And uh, the bulls show signs of excessive, excessively violent slaughter. Yeah. So they're basically, what they think they did is that while the bull was still standing up, they're chopping its head off. They're trying to chop the head off with one clean mm. blow. It takes a heavy, broad axe to do yeah. for a bull. That's pretty hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're also, at the same time... So about the gore. Yeah, at the same time, somebody else is like whacking them over the head mm. with a sledgehammer. So this is a coordinated blow intended to chuck the head clean off so that the blood shoots out of the animal <laughs> while it's still standing. Exactly. And everybody's watching this. In Sweden, they have uh, one instance of a cult site where there's like a big platform and it shows uh, the analysis of what, like lipid analysis or something mm. like that. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of sulfates yep. in the ground there. So it's Accumulated, like... Yeah. Hundreds of gallons of blood, of blood been soaking into there, you know, yeah. and, and this is like probably the whole village is standing there watching this yeah. happening, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you also have in Oseberg, for instance, the horses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe being, being, being yeah, Viking age burials, tons of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it um, uh, in Gokstad? There was a t like, a, like a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Like a. So so it goes, it, it goes to dogs. see that this is something that's alive has a value, you know. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's also the, the the question and discussion whether or not this is, uh, you know, people executing other people uh, yeah. because they've done some form of crime. Yeah, that could be. Interesting. Um, like. Uh, then is it like is it like a, a rape compensation or, or is it a sacri Then it becomes much more murky, doesn't it? It does. It does, and um, it's it's a question also. Do you need to submerge them into a bog? If they've done a heinous crime, you know, after they've been hanged or after they've been, you know, um, dismembered, as it were, um, and most likely no, it's you probably just do what most people do nowadays, just cremate them or just get rid of the body somehow. And and but why would you want to use uh, a lake or a bog for that purpose, when when so many people. Uh, were you know cremated in or and or interred uh, into graves or burial mounds, so um, so it, it seems to be more so that because of the um, uh, of of the uh, of, of where they're put, uh, than than you know what they did in life essentially. Uh, of course, you know who they were in life might determine why they ended up there. Presumably, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so the social background uh, or whatever role they were born into, because it is a hierarchical society. There are roles to play, even in the pre-Roman Iron Age, which is often seen to as like an egalitarian period. We do have people who live in bigger houses, who have more land, who have more cattle than others, which goes to show that it is a hierarchical society. 
Um, and so, you, you, you know, the, the Bronze Age elite might have been toppled and gone, you know, the, uh, the Nordic Revolution uh, you know, is, is, is all well and, and over, but there are still new people coming into the, uh, uh, into the playing field, as it were, you know, yeah. and, um, and some people accumulating and yeah, getting and more resources. And everybody's others. hustling. Yeah, and it's in human nature to accumulate, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, and that is definitely the case uh, for for these uh, pre-Roman Iron Age farmers uh, living in a society in the post-Bronze Age society, uh, almost like a post-apocalyptic society in a way, <laughs> with animal uh, and uh, and human sacrifices. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than imagining apocalyptic scenarios in the past. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. But no, uh, but let's let's. Uh, I'm dying to hear about the the guy with the gelled hair. I've been alluding to him all the time. Cloni Kavan man, Cloni Kavan man, Cloni Kavan man, Clon Clon Kavan man. I don't, I don't know. Clon Kavan man, Cloni Kavan man. Thankfully, there's not too many Irish listeners. I <laughs> <laughs> will probably botch this for ages ago. But yeah. uh, Clon Canyon Man. Uh, yeah, Clon Canyon Man. Uh, probably botched it, but anyways. Um, uh, it's uh, also an Iron Age body, also found in 2003. <laughs> the, the year of bug bodies <laughs> in Ireland. <laughs> this is raining from the sky. Oh, good. Um, and uh, only his head and torso is pres- uh, preserved, and mm. uh, he was found in a modern peat harvesting machine. <laughs> 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 so yeah, there's that. Uh, so which it, which was probably respond- uh, responsible for severing his lower body. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the poor so guy. This, so so, so this... not only did he get sacrificed, but his corpse two thousand years after. <laughs> got mutilated continuity. by machine. That's cultural continuity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, and he had a squash nose and crooked teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Just to add to some to the injury. Um, and <laughs> pores are visible on the nose. He had a thin beard. So he, <laughs> by, 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 by Monday standards, he wasn't a beautiful man. It's possible, or at least been suggested, that he might have been a king. Uh, king? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I mean, where are we to say? It looks like that. Um, and he was ritually sacrificed, but I guess, you know, if, if, if he looked like that, he might have been <laughs> as a bad person in, in, in life as he was in death, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, he was an interesting guy all the same. Um, and not least of all, the, the hairstyle he was sporting. <laughs> because it kind of has an analogy to a lot of guys wearing a man bun nowadays. Man bun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh- so no. he was uh, John the Juice employee. <laughs> yeah. So um, he was murdered. Well, I mean, murder, sacrifice, whatever oh, you want to yeah. call it. Um, he didn't die of natural causes. No. His skull was split open by a sharp implement. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can... I feel sorry for this uh, for this fellow, to be honest. I'm just saying, there's something... Yeah, and there, there's something uniquely uh, morbid about Ireland's in this day and age, at least. In, you know. I feel like everything you hear about Ireland in like prehistory sounds totally insane. Like that missionary who found like the horse sacrifice where yeah, the guy yeah, was yeah, like yeah. fucking the horse and then I mean, bathing in his blood. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I think, I think that's, that's need, a good theme for another episode. I maybe. think you need to be careful what you're saying now. 
<laughs> as far as I know, I think there's Irish people living in around the, you know, uh, here. So you know. I hope they don't know where I live. <laughs> no, but in, in all honesty, though, so of course, yeah, it, it, it's a gruesome way of, of you know, killing someone. Um, yeah. And uh, so his, um, his head was uh, split open. Uh, and there's a deep wound on the top of his head and parts of his brain have been found in this wound. There's also a large laceration across the bridge of his nose uh, leading under his right eye. This is believed to, to be the blow that killed him though. So, so not only did your head get split open, but I mean... You, his brain you, is hanging out of his head. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're alive. <laughs> but what kills you is the cut that comes you know, across your, your fucking face. That's like you've got one hit point left. And both injuries seem to have been caused by the same sharp implement. Hmm. No less. Um, so, uh, which might have been an axe, most likely so. And his death is believed to be, um, you know, a ritual sacrifice. Um, and the radiocarbon dating is... Incidentally, the same time period as uh, the two first that we mentioned, the total amount, uh, the first Irish blood body. Mm. So around 400 to 200 BC. Uh, BCE. Yeah. Um, and uh, now when it comes to his uh, hairstyle, which uh, I always find interesting, and yes. uh, we're going to talk more about hairstyles and bug bodies later on, mm. because I have a favorite of mine, uh, <laughs> who I'm dying to get, uh, get to. But... Um, the scientific studies of his hair um, showed uh, that um, he'd lived a good life. Oh. Incidentally, as probably with the two first bug bodies as well. He didn't live a hard life. Um, and he had a lot of proteins in his diet and a lot of vegetables, it seems. So it goes to show that, you know, he wasn't... It wasn't living the, the hard life or wasn't eating gruel or, you know... He had ample access to good food. Yeah. Um, and that might also have been the case for uh, Toleman, mind you, as a, a addendum. Uh, but the problem with Toleman is, of course, uh, the lack of hair, more so than anything mm. else. And because of his uh, headwear, uh, covering much of his head. Uh, He's got cool manly <coughs> stubble, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's it's also interesting to see that, of course, you know, he, he received a close shave, which was probably... Uh, common for most people in the Iron Age. I mean, often we tend to uh, perceive uh, the past as um, <laughs> someone, uh, you know, the, the, the Nordic people, you know, wearing big beards and long hair and what have you. But yeah. here we have people with a close shave and, you know, uh, sporting, of course, I wouldn't say that stubble was the look he was looking for, but there have been probably a few, a week or a couple of weeks between his close shave and when he was sacrificed. So, but sh shortly before yeah. he was sacrificed, or you know, I made his death. But yeah, so, so the uh, the uh, Clonia uh, Caven man, uh, he uh, he is a well-to-do man, uh, and um, it, it seems to be that uh, he was uh, killed during the warmer months. So that's to say, in the summer months, probably late spring, early autumn, um, between that period. Um, and that he also was in his early 20s, uh, which seems to be a recurring <laughs> theme here. Mm. Uh, you know, just starting life or getting to start life, or at least that's what we perceive nowadays, you know. Um, and um, 
and uh, it's um, it's of course hard to, to to give more context to his his life, but uh, it's it's possible that he was also um, on top of the hierarchy, essentially. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but the most uh, distinguishing feature, say for the uh, big you know uh, ga- gaping hole in the skull and the cut across his face, is of course his hairstyle. <laughs> Yeah, um, because he essentially had a hairstyle where he um, put his hair up uh, in in a small bun on the top of his head, yeah. supported by hair gel. Mm. Tremendously douchey hairstyle. <laughs> I'm not going to comment upon that, but <laughs> yeah, my my words, not yours. <laughs> Uh, but it, it consisted of uh, oils, uh, most likely plant oils, and uh, resin. Uh, so like he had resin. he had a hair product. Yeah. Hmm. So we're not talking about butter, uh, like a dairy product, just smeared in the hair. This is uh, a combination of oil, oils probably, uh, or mm. at least a oil, and uh, and the pine resin, which creates this very sticky yeah. substance, which I've actually tried myself, mind you. Yeah. I mean, I, I made it just to see what it looked like. Yes, actually, yes, I tried it. It works wonders. Yes, it's as, really... As, as, it, it's it's a, just like any other, any modern hairstyle. Mm. I mean, like hair, hair gel. Kind of gooey, but uh, and looks kind of odd, but uh, but it it works. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. It does. It does. That's a trick. And of course, you know, it, if if you look at hair gel, it's gooey, regardless. I mean, there's no. Yeah, if you can't yeah, you can't get around hair gel. It's going to be gooey regardless. So yeah, that's true. Like you, you can't speak against this uh, product. So it's going to be gooey regardless of what you make it of. Uh, out of. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, and the pine resin is an import. Uh, probably from uh, modern day area around France or northern uh, northern Spain, hmm. um, so uh, it had to be you know transported from that area uh, and then to so basically it might have been because of that reason you know yeah. uh, they were exporting pine resin as uh, as uh, you know uh, to be used for hair gel by people in and around uh, that part of Europe and Western Europe. Uh, of course, we don't know if they had hairstyles like this in Eastern or Northern Europe, but at least in this part of Europe. Yeah, but we have uh, mention of uh, in the Roman era, we have mention of, uh, of butter. Yes, yeah, we do, we do, we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rancid butter. Rancid butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no less rancid. Um, but yeah, I mean, that also works. And it was used by uh, young men um, during, uh, well, during the Second World War, but also uh, shortly thereafter. In Norway, um, one of my uncles uh, who grew up uh, in the fifties and sixties, they used butter in their hair hmm. instead of as a, as, a, as, a, as a sort of grease yeah. because it is fat. You know, grease is fat. Butter yeah. is fat. So, so we have to keep that in mind. It's it's fat which makes your hair fatty, and that's what you're looking for. You know, to make it fatty. Hmm. Um, so you can style it better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shape it around and so um, yeah. So he had like a hair tie. On top of his head, and with a small bun thingy sticking out, and his hair just drawn up. Uh, so it is actually quite a contemporary hairstyle. I you know, uh, men wearing this hairstyle nowadays, mm. of course, not necessarily identically, but but in the same mindset. You know, put it up and create a bun. Um, though I guess it might be fading as a. Didn't you say it was tremendously short too? Uh, it, it, it is it is not long, long. I mean, when we're saying like uh, bun, bun... No, I'm talking about his height. Oh, his height. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I apologize. Um, yeah, he uh, was around 160. 160. Okay, yeah. it's not not too bad. 
but that's but the thing uh, about heights and, and what have you is that um, we should always be careful about uh, assuming the heights of prehistoric people yeah. because as nowadays there is all kinds of heights um, and some people are tall some people are short yeah. you know um, and some people are shorter than the short people and some people are taller than the tall people <laughs> so, so there's like all <laughs> kinds of truth there's all you know variations uh, and some people are fat and some people are skinny but it's just it's it's diversity you know um, and um, although it must be said that of course uh, there's no denying that the average height was definitely shorter than it is nowadays but not necessarily by that much yeah. and it's, it's a question about where in the society uh, you are essentially what kind of uh, hierarchy it is and your role in this hierarchy yeah, if you grow up in a cave and all you eat is bark, then you're not going to get very tall. Exactly. Or at least uh, not, your, not your offsprings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if, you, if you have any offsprings in a cave, that is, I don't know. Um, I can find someone. But uh, essentially, yeah, that, that is the case. Um, so having good access to nutrition is detrimental to make sure that uh, you yourself get to develop uh, and uh, you know reach your peak as it were but also that's the uh, the people um, after you you know your, your descendants will also uh, have the ability to to stretch as it were mm. but that, that might not be the case it's like you yourself might be 190 and your son or a daughter might be 160 170 so just because you're tall doesn't mean that everyone after you will be tall as well. It's not like we're, you know, uh, breeding giants or breeding midgets. It's, <laughs> we it's could, like, though, if we want. I, sure. I guess, I suppose, nowadays, yeah. But um, so, so there is always going to be the exception to the rule. And um, but, but what is kind of like the thumb of rule is that uh, during the early Iron Age, uh, people were about 160, 150, 160. But there are so many exceptions to that rule that we should be really careful about. Yeah, Solid Man was tremendously tall. Yeah, we were 180, perhaps even taller. Yeah. Perhaps. And uh, in the Bronze Age, um, like a lot of the uh, oak coffin bodies, uh, they were tall people. Uh, of course, they are the hierarchy, you know, the aristocracy. Um, and uh, and they don't you know they don't live and, and, and work at the bottom of the society if if if, if it is indeed like a almost like a pyramid uh, hierarchy uh, with a god king or something on the top I don't know uh, we don't really know too much about these societies um, save for our assumptions and uh, you know comparatively other cultures uh, in and around the same time and area but but what we can definitely say is that um, uh, people. You know, some people became 160, some people became 180, some people became, I guess, 130, even 140, if you're really unlucky. So, so, so there's yeah. variations. But uh, we also, there are instances, of course, of we have a complete bog bodies, we have partial bog bodies, and among those, we have some really odd examples. Like, isn't that this mm, yeah. uh, in uh, in Germany? These uh, these two legs. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, exactly. It's like a pair of. Like what is it from the knees down or something like that, or is yeah. it just yeah? But that's but that's the same thing as I mentioned with uh, with the um, Irish bug body, you know, yeah. just the torso, for instance, you know, just decapitated. Yeah. So so we do have yeah definitely, um, and uh, there's also a source called Musa, uh, with the uh, leg uh, wrappings and and only the other legs. Oh yeah, that was what I was uh, thinking. Yeah, about. Yeah. 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 So uh, maybe, but, but we do also we do also have. It's like, just two really gnarly feet. Yeah. <laughs> just 
with with pair of, <laughs> with a pair of shoes and uh, like uh, poof wrappings. Yeah. Nice. Uh, one of my favorite um, finds uh, is uh, the the Bernardsfeld man. Yeah, or now Bernie, we're... as he called. That's no, no, much later, though. Yeah, well, now we're jumping in far ahead in time. Yeah, I just wanted to mention him, mm. you know, right now, since we're talking about the different kinds yeah. of, uh, of finds. Because as far as we can tell, he doesn't seem to be uh, a bog sacrifice. No. Uh, <laughs> how do we best describe Bernie? Well, he was a bum, probably. He was a drifter. Or, or, or just a very, very simple guy living peacefully at his farm and being the subsequent... But he was wearing of trash. He was, it was like wearing... Uh, yeah, but that's the thing as well. We, we need to think that he was wearing probably his work clothes or something. That's true. true. You know, uh, it's, it's his, his attire, as you said, you know, it's, it's, it's bum clothes. Yeah. For, for us it is, but it's also work clothes. Yeah. It's like during the 19th century, uh, you recycled your clothes for workwear. Because he didn't have specialized workwear. Yeah, his because so, his, his tunic consisted of like what four, patches, like, patches, patches. just a ton of patches. There, there, there is a base, uh, there is a base tunic there, but it's well hidden and concealed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's essentially all kinds of different fabrics, uh, different kinds of uh, you know uh, techniques and what have you, just yeah. mishmashed into the shape of the tunic. Um, but it seems to work for him, you know, and yeah. it might have been that it actually was, as I said, you know, uh, his workwear. Um, but so yeah, it was. Uh, so he had. But, but that is during the eighth century. Yeah, century. this is the eighth century. Uh, Almost the Viking Age, basically. Oh yeah, 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 it's it's the late Merovingian or yeah, you know, uh, or uh, Vendel or. <laughs> this is way after. The, the, the golden age of the bog bodies. Yeah, so because speak, I, so. I, that's what I think is important for us to kind of just like uh, proceed a bit further into time, uh, of, you know, into the Roman Iron Age and then into the migration period and later on, because mm. um, the the practice of burying, uh, or not burying, but um, of um, depositing people into uh, marshes, uh, lakes, what have you, um, seems to stop or um, this just the tradition just doesn't seem to um, be uh, maintained after 200 CE. Mm. Um, the 200 after, you know, common era. Uh, common era. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's thought that it actually is uh, because of the increased uh, and marked uh, influx of uh, Roman goods mm. from the continent. Um, and especially gold, and this kind of circles back to why there might have been no, you know, human sacrifices uh, in the Bronze Age, uh, because gold and precious metals took its role, and ah. perhaps because also it might have been taboo in the Bronze Age. Some scholars seem to think that there might have been like, you know, we don't do that because it's barbaric, um, and that's why we don't. But we don't really know. If that's Early Iron right. Age people give, didn't give two shits. <laughs> no, exactly. No. Just like fuck that. Um, but uh, around 200 um, CE uh, and, and shortly before that, um, especially after the uh, Archimani Wars. Yes, um, which we talked about in uh, Barbarian Warlords of uh, Free Germania. Mm. We went and into that there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so we, we can clearly see that whatever is happening in Central Europe and between the Roman Empire and the Archimani and the role the Scandinavians played, especially some Scandinavians played, 
Um, it just marks an like abrupt end of human sacrifices. Um, and um, that's not to say that they didn't practice it, uh, but they, for the same reason that they might have not, you know, deposited people into bogs um, in, uh, in the Bronze Age. Um, but there are no indications of there being humans uh, sacrificed, and for that purpose, anyways, or in in, in that um, uh, in, in in such an environment, people sacrificed also other things. Yeah, they uh, sacrificed textiles, butter, uh, dairy products. We have numerous examples of uh, of effigies maybe being chucked in uh, in a lake or a swamp when. When they're they've served its function, or you know, when they're renewing the sacred site, maybe um, we even have descriptions of that sort of stuff going on as late as the seventeen hundreds in Norway, actually. Yep. So, um, so that's one thing. But yeah, you mentioned dairy products. Mm. What sort of dairy products? Butter. 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 Bog butter. Bog butter. But this is not a hair product in this case. <laughs> well, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> One thing doesn't necessarily exclude the other. But yeah, uh, most likely it's for consumption. Hmm. Um, and uh, bog butter is something that's been practiced in uh, Northern Europe, uh, you know, from Ireland to, I guess, Northern Russia, um, Siberia, uh, for centuries. And the tradition uh, goes back to definitely the uh, the Iron Age, um, perhaps even the Bronze Age. We don't really know how far it, the, the tradition extends, but essentially it is you put uh, butter into uh, the bog uh, to um, to preserve it, hmm. because it is almost like a refrigerator. It's as I said earlier, it's an anaerobic environment and there's no oxygen, so it doesn't rot. All you need to do is just conceal it, pack it, um, so that it doesn't you know, get in touch with any soil or plants matter so you put the butter in the bog <clears throat> and uh, and it can uh, stay fresh much well, longer than, than yeah because but bu- yeah. butter is fat it's lard in, mm-hmm. in a way you know it's uh, it's as a product um, and fat doesn't rot in a way mm. uh, but what's happened uh, with the butter uh, that we have you know surviving examples of that's been put into a bug 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, is that it's turned from butter to wax. <laughs> so it's a big lump of wax now. So I wouldn't suggest anyone eating it, but... Nice. Uh, well, yeah. But uh, there's there's some questions, especially with the bog butter, uh, yes. because uh, it could be sacrificed, but it could also be a primitive mode of just preserving it. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell the difference. It is. Um, so there is one example uh, from uh, Sola in Rogaland uh, County in uh, southwestern Norway, where butter was put into a bog um, on top of like a butter, um, what do you call it, uh, dish or... Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's essentially like a small bowl uh, and you have butter on top. So, yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, yeah, sure. They were like uh, you know, the covering. And oh yeah, okay, yeah, obviously. But uh, and also a butter knife, a wooden butter knife. A butter, okay, so somebody's so, somebody's eating this butter. Yeah, I mean, so the, 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 this, that's what I mean. It's, it's clearly that it was made for consumption, um, and uh, but it has other serfs uh, uses as well. You know, um, 
and uh, you know, putting it into your hair is one of them. <laughs> yeah. It might sound gross. Yes, we, yes, we already mentioned. But uh, but it, it works. Um, but it's uh, it's it's hard as 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 you mentioned to to uh, to say with any certainty that it was made for this or it was put into the bug for this specific purpose or that specific purpose. Um, because as I mentioned, you know, we know that people used bugs as uh, refrigerators uh, up to about, well, nowadays even. There's a farmer, incidentally, in Rogaland County, yeah. <laughs> who, who makes his uh, buttermilk uh, and butter, uh, no, no, bu- 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 bug butter milk and uh, bu- uh, bug butter. Yeah. Very fun uh, to know that this guy exists uh, making not only bug-, bug butter but also bug milk. I saw this like tiny like little clip about him. He buries bottles of uh, of this buttermilk in the bog, and he can come back many years afterwards, and it's all fizzy, fermented in a it's way. It's fermented, yeah. It's yeah, because there's like a bacterial kind of culture, and, and you know, like when yeah. it pops to the like top, it's like drink. champagne. Yeah, it's like a fizzy drink. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned uh, hairstyles. Because uh, hair seems to be one of the recurring subjects here, oddly, with this, uh, with <laughs> this episode. So my uh, my favorite uh, bug body is actually a bug body from Germany, um, based to a time around 300 CE. So we're in the late Roman Iron Age, and um, it's uh, it's an interesting name. <laughs> He's got an interesting name. Uh, he's uh, called Red France, oh. Rote France, uh, or uh, Man von Neuwachsen, which is more of a generic, uh, neutral name for him because of the uh, fine location. But uh, the reason he was nicknamed uh, Red France was because his hair was stained by the uh, well, the bug. So it turned probably like uh, pale blonde to red, like really red, characteristic red, like autumn burn red. Or, hmm. um, and uh, sadly, much of his lower body is just bones. So there's hmm. no, no remains of any uh, tissues or anything. But his upper body uh, has more uh, organic material. Uh, and especially facial hair and uh, hair. And um, he's got an interesting hairstyle that a lot of uh, modern people might relate to because he was sporting an undercut and a mustache, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which incidentally is very hipster fashion uh, or has been a a fashion for, uh, well, nearly a decade now. And... um, not only that, but uh, he was also sporting stubble. Now, the reason he was sporting a stubble is because, of course, uh, there's been some time from when he had a shave until uh, he was killed. And he was um, his throat were cut, or slits. You know, so someone uh, <laughs> garroted him. Or <laughs> yeah, this seems to be a, a common theme yeah. in the world of dog bodies. It, it does, it does. Uh, but it was most likely, uh, or there seems to be no indication that it was uh, meant to be ritualistic. So it might have been um, someone actually just killing the individual and then just disposing of his body into the lake. It's 
it's a bit murky. We don't really know. Uh, incidentally, that's something they did in later times as well, in the Middle Ages and the early modern uh, age, um, where, like, the Gunnerstrom Man, um, which is a Scottish bog body, uh, was uh, killed and thrown into a lake or into a bog. And this is during the 17th century. The 17th century, uh, okay. So it's yeah, so very it's... late. Mm. So, uh, More an incidental bog body. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it's also gone, uh, shown shown us the the uh, his attire and what a normal person in the seventeenth century looked like, <laughs> in, in Scotland, anyways, and and the clothes he was sporting. I just uh, had a look at uh, at Otto Franz uh, and um, saw some uh, some facial reconstructions. Yeah, uh, he's, how he looks. He's, he's not very handsome. Uh, for the Norwegian <laughs> listeners out there. He looks exactly like Kurt Odekalf. The worst thing is that it's a horrible reconstruction of his face. And it's well, also it, very like, it almost looks like paper mache or something. Well, it does look I mean, like... Uh, I'm not saying Kurt Odekalf, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but this is actually quite... Uh, this is actually quite funny because Kurt Odekalf was my neighbor when I was uh, living out in the swamp. <laughs> so we were... Uh, bug buddies? Bug, bug buddies. <laughs> Good. Uh, but yeah, we we do have uh, as I said textiles as well, uh, yeah. and there's one uh, interesting find also from Hogaland County uh, called Tegla Teglafunna uh, or uh, Tegla find, hmm. which is uh, a lot of uh, balls of yarn, and it's the uh, top part of for making uh, weave on a warp weighted loom uh, with a tablet woven braid. It's assumed that um, it was a young girl probably learning out the trade uh, of, of weaving and these were for first um, balls of yarns that she'd made uh, like spun and everything and the first uh, weft uh, on, on, on the loom hmm. and it had some uh, significance it might have been a rite of passage that now she was considered an adult woman or something because she'd mastered the uh, uh, the crafts that were associated with the females, um, and that, uh, in a turn, you know, uh, it was um, used as a sacrifice in this uh, bog. But we also have like uh, braids, hair being sacrificed. Um, they also, uh, I might mention um, very quickly that the tegla find they also found like a uh, stocking, in a sprang mm. technique, uh, which is like a very flexible. A technique. It was used uh, mostly for hair nets in in the uh, Bronze Age and the Iron Age, also in uh, in uh, in the Roman Empire. Um, and hair nets were used by um, young women, as I say, women that weren't married yet. Um, it seems to be the case. And uh, the same practice was in Scandinavia. So young women wore hair nets and um, probably hair hairdo or something put up as we've seen in other bug, other bug bodies. Uh, and the date uh, of the find is around uh, the migration period. Uh, so we're talking about uh, 5th century-ish, uh, in the mid-5th century. Uh, but the hair that we talked about um, yeah. is, is way older. The practice of cutting hair and putting it into the bog is something that is only found in the context of the early, um, uh, or the pre-Roman Iron Age. Uh, and it just stops after. Um, it might continue for a bit into the early um, Roman Iron Age, but the pre-Roman Iron Age is where it's mostly found, uh, the, the practice that is. Uh, and that is something we know based upon radiocarbon dating of the hair, 
and uh, something we know from the context. So, mm. uh, so women in this period sacrificed hair, uh, especially like uh, very nice long braids. Mm. It's very interesting because we also have uh, descriptions in. Uh, uh, it's very difficult to demonstrate some sort of continuity there, but uh, there are references in like folk ballads and that sort of thing of cutting hair mm. uh, in association with uh, with marriage yeah. as a rite of passage. So um, could be something like that going on there. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, it, it, there might be a continuation, of course, standing mm. way into well, nearly the modern era. Um, but that for some reason they stopped putting it into, you know, bogs. Yeah. But they might have put it somewhere else, uh, you know, stored it somewhere else, or sacrificed somewhere else, or even burnt it, you know, like incinerated or something. It's it's we we can't exclude the possibility that this uh, continued later on. Uh, as a rite of passage. It's uh, another example of uh, an incidental bog deposit, presumably, is the the shoes from uh, Lekvik. Yeah. Uh, with, here in, uh, in Norway. Mm. Which are uh, a pair of uh, Iron Age shoes which were standing as if somebody had just jumped out of them yep. in, uh, in a bog. Mm -hmm. Deep in a bog. Yeah. Uh, we presume they could have been put there to soften the leather. Uh, but uh, we don't know. Uh, so sometimes people, you know, with as with the butter, sometimes people just put it there and they never return for whatever reason. Yeah. Either, you know, Which is something we have to be, you know, consider as a... Yeah. Because this stuff happened. People, you know, messed up. <laughs> oh, yeah, or, yeah, or, 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 or anything could have happened, you know. They're, yeah. you know, they... Because these were sometimes we assume that you know the bog was part of also everyday activity, and yeah, yeah. sometimes <clears throat> when we find remains of the past, it's also like the it's like a crime scene. Sometimes there is a very dramatic, or sometimes it's a very mundane explanation for it. We don't really know, mm. but uh, but if for whatever reason daily life somewhere just stops, it's going to leave maybe some traces. Yeah, yeah. a good mm. example of that is. Um... They found uh, whey cheese, uh, Bronze Age whey cheese in Denmark uh, mm. a little while back, and it was thrown into a lake. <laughs> so what happened is that whoever were in charge of the whey cheese, you know, reducing it and making it into whey cheese uh, in this um, earthenware pot, uh, let it stand on uh, let it stand on the on the fire too long, and it burnt. Oh. So all the time and energy that went into making the whey cheese were just for knots, and um, the earthenware pot was no longer usable because it was charred and you know it was like indication of it being cracked and you know uh, so so the individual whoever it was probably panicked and just ran to the nearest lake and just threw it in. <laughs> that seems to be the case because it was it clearly burnt. It was unedible, uh, or at least there weren't that much of it that you would. But wait a minute, wheat cheese. So it's so we got a um, bronze age, bronze age brown Pumped. cheese. Yep. Wow. So wheat cheese has been consumed at least in Scandinavia for about three three and a half thousand years. I d I actually didn't know. You didn't know? No. It's it's a unique find, and it's 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 like one of the rare chance finds. Um, and uh, it's 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 it 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 reflects the daily life aspect, you know. That we, we, we have to be careful about interpreting each and everything that ends up in, in a bog as something 
uh, that were meant as a sacrifice. No, I'm okay. So um, it's okay for a Bronze Age reenactor to eat brown cheese at events. <laughs> I would, I would guess and, and I mean, to That's be frankly fine, honest, yeah. it's it's a byproduct of uh, you know their product. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, know, so... pr- produce. Uh, so so it's it seems to have been um, well. I mean, it's it's from a settlement, you know, hmm. um, the way cheese. So it's not in a interred into a burial mound. It's and it's not, I mean, it's not like perfectly displayed. It's uh, an accident. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a good deed gone wrong in a way, you know, yeah. someone wanting to make something and it just burning. It's like almost throwing out your frying pan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so we do of course have another kind of uh, sacrifice and a lot of it and uh, which incidentally starts in the uh, pre-roman iron age and that is weapon sacrifices weapon sacrifices uh, or war booty sacrifice as some people call booty it booty sacrifice booty sacrifice <laughs> yeah okay um, and uh, it's essentially is um, uh, defeated armies we think uh, or at least uh, accumulation of war booty after a battlefield somewhere Mm. And this is their part of the share, and they um, either take uh, the defeated uh, army's uh, equipment, everything, not just weapons, mind you. Yeah. Yes. Toiletries. Oh yeah. yeah all yeah. sorts of associated shoes. Take their shoes. <laughs> everything, you know. Leave nothing, and they. Uh, but predominantly, you know, just uh, armaments like shields, swords, um, belts uh, that were associated mm. with that uh, rank. Boats. Uh, uh, boats, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, everything uh, like uh, not just boats, but also the stuff that were on the boats, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, oars and uh, horses, horse <coughs> gear. Yeah. yeah. What is interesting here is that uh, we find these uh, deposits of huge amounts of war gear, mm. remains uh, of of soldiers and warriors, yeah. but no people. No people. No people whatsoever. Not even like a finger. Nope. We do find horses, and sometimes the horses have been drawn down to the water mm-hmm. and attacked where they were standing. Yes. Uh, remember what we were talking about with uh, the cruelty uh, demonstrated against some of the bog bodies, mm-hmm. and also how <clears throat> in later periods also we have extremely violent animal sacrifice it seems that these horses were led down to the water and they just hacked at them while they were standing there oh, yeah, stabbed them with yeah. spears um... tremendously horrible way to die for uh, yeah, it's extreme violence yeah. Yeah. extreme violence and deliberate deliberately oh, yeah. extreme oh, yeah. over the top no doubt so we're talking about an extreme expression of religious violence here in mm. a sense and uh, but yeah no people no people there was a few years back they found uh, rem- uh, skeletal remains near one of these um, sites in Denmark, um, uh, close to Illerup, Odal, um, which is um, and Illerup is one of the most famous ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forty thousand artifacts or something. Oh, uh, more, more so. Yeah. More so. Um, of course, you know, some large, some small, and fragments, and, and they're all considered artifacts. Uh, but yeah, so so it's it's one of the, as I said, more, more famous ones. And um, the, uh, one of the things that we need to just, uh, um, you know, talk about before we proceed with the subject any further is that 
these uh, sites, these uh, weapon hordes, sacrifices, um, they're um, different uh, periods where they were sacrificed. Uh, so you have like around 200 there might be a deposit and around 300 there might be a deposit yeah. and around 400 might be one. So uh, they're, they come at intervals. So they're not all, they don't all belong to the same sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, so it's a long, longer time span. Um, mm. a long period so people time. chuck something in and then they come back maybe a hundred years later yeah and, and a century yeah. later uh, or even two centuries later and they, mm. they use it for the same purpose so that means there um, must have been a tradition like a living tradition where people talked about these people yeah. these places and regarded them as sacred sites yeah they were very much uh, a, a living memory Mm. Uh, and people, uh, you know, they lived in close vicinity of these areas, uh, these sacred areas, uh, such as these lakes uh, and bogs, and uh, and yeah, so so there were definitely a living tradition uh, and and a, and a very clear and, and vivid memory, most likely, of of what happened there a century earlier. And incidentally, they themselves found themselves in the same situation as their ancestors, and they did the same practices as they did. Um, because it's it's the same uh, way of dealing with the items. They they destroy them. Yeah. The objects they're destroyed. They're hacked. They're smashed. They're torn apart. They're, they're bent. You know, bent. And the swords are, are like shaved. heated up and bent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're, they're destroyed. They're destroyed. Yeah. You, know, you destroy it. Um, so of course that also requires a lot of energy and effort to do, mm. and a lot of people because we're talking about a lot of objects here. Um, some people were. Uh, I mean, some some items were more um, distorted and damaged than others, um, mm. uh, and and that goes for all of these uh, finds. Uh, you know, stretching um, from around um, one seventy five, two hundred to about uh, the end of the migration period, mm. uh, or let's just say around the end of the fifth uh, century, around five hundred AD. So there's about three hundred years. Uh, give or take uh, 50 to 100 years where this is a you know practice yeah um but of course we do also have in the pre-roman iron age the Jortspring. yeah uh, the Jortspring uh, war yeah. canoe yeah exactly which is the earliest and the first known uh weapon sacrifice uh in in scandinavia or in in the world actually mm. uh so it's <clears throat> uh, but it's interesting if if we like uh a brief addendum to what we were talking about at the beginning uh, of uh, uh, of the podcast was uh, we were talking about how in uh, in folklore the other world is seen as a place that is inverted. Mm. So people are talking backwards. They're standing. Their feet uh, are like they are standing upside down. Yeah. Uh, they they wear their clothes inside out. Like everything is totally opposite. Yeah, it's a so, mirror surface. So, so what but... is Broken in this world, or dead in this world, is presumably alive in the other, yeah. and vice versa. So, uh, perhaps if you broke these items, like if you bend a sword, it's unusable in this. It's both a way of disarming it of its practical value, in a sense, maybe. But also, you could probably, you might, you know, we don't know if this was exactly how these people articulated these conceptions exactly, of the exactly, other world. Exactly. But, but we can imagine that easily imagine a situation where they would think something along the lines that, yeah, we destroy these things, but you know, in the next world where they will be received, uh, they will be whole. Mm. Mm. 
yeah, I mean, that might have been the mindset um, of these people, but it's, it's, of course, it's hard for us to put words into their mouth. Yeah, we're guessing. Um, so, yeah, of course, but it's a good guess. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the ritualistic destruction of the object is something that's carried on into the late Iron Age, into the Viking Age, for instance, you know, where weapons are being bent and distorted and um, before they were, you know, interred into burials or... Um, but that's also because the um, apparently the um, sword or the object itself had a personality, you know. Uh, so by by killing it, <laughs> yeah. essentially you release it in a way. So it's like the equivalent so. of that uh, that poor Irish guy maybe who was like ripped apart then. Yeah, it ruined his hairstyle. And... It's 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 it might have been it might not have been it's it's we're just projecting in a way but yeah we are um but but still it is um it is a, 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 an interesting idea that you you accumulate all these items uh, objects but not just uh objects but also gold in some instances like uh, there's a bug in um denmark called ace bill um where there's uh around th 300 a.d um, this is uh, the uh, second deposit that was won previously uh, in, in Aceville. And um, there, um, there's a lot of um, uh, gold being thrown in uh, together with the um, uh, like a extremely high status belt. It would have been worn by the leader of, of the uh, army, like a general probably, or, or at least someone that held that rank. Um, and about half a kilo of gold just chucked in with the belt and the rest of his stuff, you know. So they didn't take the gold out of, uh, out of circulation. I mean, they, they took the gold out of circulation, but they could have left it, you know, and just let it circulate it, you know, because gold... Yeah, such a they, they could always like, have used it, but they don't. Yeah, but they don't. And then the, then the question is, what is gold worth, you know? Uh, why do they seek gold? For what purpose? I mean, what, does, what purpose does gold have, you know, to these people? Of course, it is a way of displaying wealth and status and this and that, but it's also perhaps um, just something that is borrowed. We only lend it for a time and we have to give it back again afterwards, ah, you know. The, the idea that we don't actually own it, you, you don't own anything, we just borrow it, you know. Uh, mm. you know ultimately, we're just uh, here for a brief period, but mm. the gods, they're uh, permanent, you know, they're going to yeah. succeed forever. And you, can, maybe you might be... Paying off the gods uh, for the victories you've had. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so in in Aceville, which is actually the first deposition, uh, I was wrong. But um, the first deposition around 380, they 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 threw everything in, and and the gold being such a valuable thing, you know, people would have gone to great lengths to get it. Um, but they just, you know, collectively said we're going to sacrifice it with, with everything else. And um, that goes to show um, the 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 mindset of, of these uh, of these people um, and and how they perceived uh, metals and that it is essentially in the end of the day at the end of the day it is something that is to be used uh, for whatever purpose and um, it's not like they didn't hoard it in the same way as we do. Think of it like a dragon, you know, hoarding his treasure, yeah. no, no, no. you know, and just uh, just lying on it and just you know guarding it. They they it was supposed to be used. Yeah, and we even so. see this in uh, in the honor economy of the Nordic Iron Age that um, 
Hoarding gold is not considered to be uh, justifiable no, it's, in itself. It's, it's supposed it, to be circulated. Yeah, and it's an, an attractive trait. Yeah. You know, if you hoard gold you're, and not sharing it, distributing it, then you're, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so, so being Uncle Scrooge in the Iron Age would get you <laughs> yeah. a whole lot of angry <laughs> people literally you know, taking their way into the, you know, the, the treasury and just ransacking you. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck in the Iron Age. That's yeah. uh, I didn't read that uh, comic, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we okay. So even though we don't find people in these uh, deposits, mm. that's that's not to yeah, say. Yeah, but, yeah but, uh, I, I forgot to say. Uh, so so my, my point was earlier that the Iron Age, uh, no, the um, Ilrup, close to Ilrup, they found a lot of uh, bodies. Uh, in an area called Alkenenge, mm-hmm. but it's from an earlier uh, and, and completely different um, uh, practice. As I say, it's it's from an earlier um, ritual, uh, an earlier battlefield, most likely yeah. somewhere. So, so when this, so, so, so they're uh, not associated with each other. So when Alkenenge popped up, you know, people were like, "Oh, great! Yeah, exactly. This is uh, this is the mass grave from Illyrik, yeah. the one that we've been lacking. You know, this, but, this is where all the dead people went. But it's like no, years it's old. another one. Yeah. So presumably there is another swamp somewhere <laughs> where the Alkenenge booty yeah. is. is and and, and then that's the thing because uh, there were a few objects in Alkenenge. Uh, which incidentally is displayed at the uh, Moscow Museum in uh, Aarhus in Denmark. Uh, but predominantly it was just human remains and yeah. uh, with severely inflicted wounds, uh, which goes to show that uh, whoever was taking part in that battle, I mean, either they were like really injured after the battle or during the battle, because we're talking about like yeah. deep gashes into different parts of the bodies, into the head. So, of course, you know. Men wielding weapons and and you know hitting each other. Of course, you know you're gonna touch touch skin sometime and bone them. But also in 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 Alkenenge, one thing that I found was found interesting is that people uh, people were not uh, like just chucked in the bog uh, as uh, as corpses. No, 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 no. They uh, they were they were bones. Yeah, so they they've been left to rot, which is a Great logistical solution because oh, yeah. it's a lot easier to transport. But people then plucked the bones from the battlefield and, and even took femur bones yeah. and stacked them together, like took a thigh bone through it, you know, so you could carry like a whole stack and chuck it in the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, like cleaning up, you know, <laughs> afterwards. Very tidy. And uh, and not only that, but you clearly see that they've been uh, you know uh, lying there for quite an extensive period of time because they've been like rodents, <laughs> and uh, and scavenging you know animals eating at the corpses, yeah, gnawing, you know, at them. gnawing at them. They were like uh, t- tooth marks, you know, from from uh, the teeth and fangs and you know, from these various animals, well, they like nibbling at the getting their parts, you know. Yeah. 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 So so it is as you said in the economical uh, like a logistical and economical uh, way of doing it sort of like yeah it's easier to tidy yeah. up <laughs> the work is a little less dirty yeah but very macabre you know going around like parading like uh, you just take uh, five people's asses you know in one go on one bone and just chuck it in yeah and it's interesting that uh, at the same time you know people must have been living nearby <laughs> i yeah. mean because people yeah people were living I, 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 I nearby villages, you know yeah. we don't really know of course how close mm. this battlefield was to to a settlement or people mm. living there but someone not f- too far away probably lived and they have to like i don't know live the stench and you know rotting 
bodies or yeah. uh, I think it wasn't it uh, Hurgon where there was uh, when when the central like estate there uh, in, ends in, in Eastern Sweden yeah yeah they um, like the the farm was plundered burned down and the dead were left outside I believe mm-hmm. uh, and um, and people were still living nearby. The farm, the farm activity around oh, it yeah, yeah, continued, yeah, 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 yeah. but people were like, "Okay, let's not, not just not go to the old, you know, chieftain's estate anymore, mm, you know." Mm. And the dead were just left outside. Mm. Uh, so definitely, some sort of like uh, a very strong practice, uh, lots of taboos here that we yeah. cannot quite, you know, penetrate. Which, which is also seen at uh, Sandebyborg, yeah, at Öland uh, in in Sweden, uh, which was a uh, fort. Essentially, that was um, assaulted, and they're clearly only just old men and kids and women present. Uh, that probably thought they were safe behind the walls, but <laughs> yeah, and they weren't. And uh, and uh, whoever the assailants were, you know, it might have been a neighboring uh, fort or whatever. There's different theories, um, but whoever you know climbed the walls, um, they left no one alive. They literally just let everyone who were inside the fort stay dead inside the fort, <laughs> and um, then it just stops. Activity stops there. Yeah. Uh, well, there there yeah. are uh, some in, uh, indications that there might have been some people there in the seventh century, uh, as there's a, um, a find of a brooch. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so. But it's. Of course, later, and we don't really know. I mean, how people. Yeah, they might have been bliss, blissfully unaware of the. <laughs> the oh yeah, but then again, uh, the, yeah, local the, tradition, tra- local the, the local tradition. The local tradition said that there were dead people over there, in mm. in, in this in this huge, uh, stone circle. Incidentally, because you know the walls long since crumbled and they were used yeah. to other stone, and so just essentially that don't go there because there's dead people over there, and it's haunted. Mm. This brings us to another interesting thing uh, that uh, some of these um, uh, bog sacrifices, uh, the bogs themselves don't have names often. No. Often th- there's no name associated with them. So the name of, for example, uh, Ilulp Odal comes from the valley mm. that it's in. In uh, Thorsberg, in um, Northern Germany, in Germany, yeah. uh, there uh, it's it's a it's a nearby mountain, like Thor's mountain, yeah. um, and also in uh, Deberg, found a magnificent chariot there. Mm. Site doesn't have a name; it's just named Deberg, which is, is Death Mountain. That's what it yeah, means. Yeah. Um, Death Hill. Yeah. And uh, there was a local superstition, or like a legend. Uh, I guess it's not a superstition because it was true uh, that uh, that uh, down in that bog there's uh, there's a chariot filled with gold, and uh, so people start poking around, start digging, and uh, lo and behold, they find uh, almost two thousand year old uh, uh, wagon wagon there. Pretty neat. Yeah, but it, that's not the only case, you know. In Torsberg as well, there were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there local are legends. Lo- like local uh, traditions that say that there's uh, stuff in there, or there's like dead people in there, or you know, to these uh, these uh, uh, sites, these lakes, as it were, once. Um, and not all of them are notably lakes any longer. They're just land, essentially, because they've been drained. You know, so we don't see the lake anymore. 
uh, which is also why we probably lost the name as well. You know, which is true. Yeah, people Good no point. longer remember it because it's no longer something you can remember. You know, the landscape has changed so much since then. Um, and it's worth also no uh, noting that all of these um, uh, lakes and bogs and you know uh, wetlands during the uh, Roman Iron Age and the Migration Period were already starting to grow. You know, uh, and and get uh, filled in by plant matter. You know, starting to yeah, become more of a land mass uh, than than being a lake. Um, yeah. So so that's also why it's it's hard to say that you know that's I mean because if if you don't see a lake any longer, then what do you call it? You know. Yeah. Uh, you can't you can't you can't name it. It's just an area that is. It's just is, a peat bog. Yeah, exactly. More so that than a lake. For instance, and um, and in some uh, some cases uh, we have like wooden platforms, um, uh, you know, stretching, you know, I wouldn't say all the way into the middle of the lake, but far bit out uh, on the lake or in the bog or peat or you know, um, which is also something that we can see in uh, in the um, Neolithic period, as I mentioned, the Thunderbeaker uh, culture. They also made like wooden platforms hmm. uh, where they threw stuff into the uh, lake or wherever they threw the stuff into. Um, and the same thing is is, is done in in the um, Roman uh, Iron Age or throughout the, uh, the Iron Age, early Iron Age. And um, so it goes to show that someone actually built a structure, you know, so that you could stand on it and then do some kind of uh, uh, ritual. Um, so I don't think that we should uh, just you know, consider that one guy goes down to the lake and just chucks something in and just goes back home again and you know, just sits down with his wife and just you know, <laughs> like nothing happened. There's something more to it than that. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of activity. It takes a lot of planning. Uh, yeah, especially the large uh, war booty uh, sacrifices or weapon sacrifices. I think also like the this uh, this oral tradition about uh, about these sites show that people really didn't move around much throughout yeah. the centuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows that it suggests at least that the population has been extremely stable over the last couple thousand years. Yeah, yeah. Or or or. or. Oh, well, but know, there's also a but there, yeah. yeah. I don't want to burst the bubble, but uh, it could also be that you know people in the 16th, 17th century, for whatever reason, found stuff in, mm. in said lake uh, or, 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 you know, uh, waterlogged area, and they um, took took these items out, and they were like, oh, well, you know, clearly there's some people <laughs> threw stuff in here, you know, once, and that becomes part of the local tradition that over there some people sometimes in the past or you know might have been distant or might have been recent just threw stuff in yeah um it's hard so. to explain in the in with uh die bag yeah of course uh, but which is uh, which is definitely the exception most but of them, uh, yeah. there are many other examples of uh, of local traditions where people say that oh we found treasure here and there so yeah. you know yeah. local local legends and, and actually one of the reasons why all of these um where uh, sites were found in the first place was because people were, you know, cutting stuff, peats, you know, uh, or or fishing, uh, or whatever, mm. you know, uh, and they just found stuff in like the late nineteenth century, uh, middle and late nineteenth century. Um, so so it's it's and, and sometimes they didn't even say, it, mention it to anyone, and it wasn't until much later that uh, you know, uh, 
for whatever reason you 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 found yourself talking about it yeah uh, you d- just to pass time and people going like huh? <laughs> what <laughs> and uh, there there is uh, actually uh, one story that is i think kind of interesting um which is um uh, a bug called a kragehul uh, it's a very uh, very good name uh, what was it Svimosa? Uh, ja, som kommer bara finna. Jag klippar väl igen, men ehm vi måste ju liksom kan vi få en romersk mynt. Så så för instance like uh, with the uh, youth spring, youth spring. Um, well, with the uh, workanoo. Yeah. So um it was um uh, during the uh, late 19th century, that's uh, probably in the 1880s, around there, that some some like local people uh, were uh, cutting peat, and um, they they came across a lot of old stuff, essentially. Or at least that's how they describe it, um, and a lot of wood, old stuff, and like uh, like uh, corrosive iron and. They didn't really know what it was to begin with, but mm. they considered it to be old stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> old stuff. fair to say, old stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, it turns out to be you know well, well in two thousand years old. But and actually, it was a by, a guy by the name Jens Raben that um, uh, heard uh, about uh, this um, find when he was at a uh, lazarette. Uh, what do you call that in English? Uh, a hospital, like a essentially. Field hospital? Field hospital, yeah. yeah. Um, in uh, the German city of Sunderborg, which is in northern uh, Germany, I think. Um, where he was uh, actually recuperating after being uh, the victim of uh, German uh, poisonous gas at the, the Western gas Front. Oh gas my God. Yeah. So he was uh, you know, lying there and trying to... Yeah. To heal, and um, his uh, uh, the guy lying next to him uh, was uh, a guy from uh, the area of of your Spain, and uh, he told uh, Jürgen, um, which incidentally was uh, the leader of the collections of the uh, new museum at Sunderborg. Um, so he was like in charge of the uh, archaeological collection or what have you. So it was like. Mm. This, this guy just told them that yeah we found some old stuff over there and like, <laughs> it, uh, it sounds like such a plausible scenario too because you always have like yeah. wherever when as an archaeologist wherever you go you talk to some sort of like old local dude they're always like running their mouth about some shit they found you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah half of the time it's not even true you know exactly, but it's, yeah. uh, this guy seems to have been you know um, you know he, he clearly found something and he was it wasn't trying to fool him um, and uh, when he was a young boy he heard about these old people you know digging there and mm. finding stuff and it was like okay yeah sure so so he had like information that in in this particular waterlogged area there were uh, generic old generic old stuff and um, that led to the excavation and uh, that's when they found um, the Burkinu which uh, is is so important because it's the closest thing we have to the uh, Bronze Age petroglyphs. Yeah. Displaying uh, the canoes. Hmm. 
It's the, the yeah the only find we have of one of those depicted work news yeah, that we see so many and of course it's, of. it's it's in the uh, pre-Roman Iron Age. You know, yes, yeah. too. So it's, really it's, 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 like it's transitional almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe yeah. No, it, 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 it dates to around three three fifty BC uh, BCE, and uh, so it is younger than a Bronze Age, but it seems to be pretty much the same uh, construction, and it's like like frame construction. So uh, so it's differently. Uh, it's different from the clinker-built ships that uh, were introduced to Scandinavia in around the second century, beginning of the third century CE, which also, you know, were sacrificed into like Illerup, Nydam, Tosberg, likely as well. Um, but also, we have Norwegian examples because yeah. we have the Halsnæs boat, mm, yes. yeah, which is interesting. It looks. Very much like later traditional uh, boats, whether we are talking about the Vendel and Viking periods or we are talking about more recent traditional yeah, like boats, it looks no, no, very no, much Nordland the same. Boats or... Yeah, but it's so what is unique about it is that it's kind of like something in between the Jotspring boat and these other boats because it's not clinker built, it's sewn together. Mm. It's freaking sewn together. Looks like an any old rowing boat, but uh, but yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one, and then there's uh, later from the six hundreds we have the Kvalsund ship or boat rather, mm. Mm. hacked to pieces and put in a box. Yeah. So so this seems to be, of course, you know, in, in some cases, um, I, a tradition to to uh, put stuff into bogs after the Roman uh, immigration period, but nowhere as much. No, no, as before. Uh, no. This is like a frenzy uh, of, of, of objects, uh, not just uh, war booty mm. or weapon sacrifices, but also other stuff. Um, so throughout the Roman Iron Age, uh, from around 200 um, CE to about 400 CE, um, there is like an increase in uh, war booties across Scandinavia. Um, that's to say, all of these uh, are predominantly found in southern Sweden, or at least the area that we could, could define as southern Scandinavia. So much of Denmark and south, southwestern Sweden and uh, parts of the northern parts of Germany. So so it is limited to a big area. And Norway is, for the most part, uh, devoid of this. Um, there are, of course, exceptions to the rule, but when you think about the concentration of finds that you have in Denmark and southwestern Sweden, but especially in Denmark, it's like you don't really have anything in Norway. There's like no good explanation to it. Well, the landscape is uh, kind of different. It's, um, yeah, that is one uh, argument. But also that um, the population density might have been um, you know, one of the causes that because there's less people around, you don't have the um, means to to have these displays or or it might be just because we haven't found any yet. we can dream in the future it's a, a dream dream about uh, death and abundance yeah yeah an ancient past. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> but it goes to show that we have a lot of these areas in a way <laughs> i think that we've covered a lot of uh, the most like the essentials of basically the uh, the bog sacrifices yeah 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 i mean i just might mention real quick that in the migration period uh, there's a decrease of bog sacrifices um, and a marked increase of sacrifices on land, um, mm. like uh, big gold objects being put under boulders, rocks, you know, dug into the ground or whatever. 
Um, so there's less frequency of bug sacrifices, and um, also like they put like brooches, like the female uh, brooches, uh, fibulas, if you will. Um, just put them in around the landscape, close to uh, sacred sites, probably, like uh, waterfalls, or um, so there's a change in how you approach the um, otherworldly uh, sides. Perhaps they, they were were communicating the same way as they were in the Rome Nine Age. No. Of course, they still do like uh, weapon sacrifices and and bugs in the fifth century. But by the sixth century, in the late migration period, it seems to more or less fall out. After you know, the uh, cold years of the you know uh, the uh, Fimble winter or whatever you call it. Yeah, the the, the, the climate crisis yeah, of the yeah. of the sixth century. Yeah, around uh, 536, 537, 538, around there. Um, and the uh, the plague, uh, Justinian plague, uh, or plagues <coughs> throughout the seventh uh, century and eighth century. So, but uh, but at least in in, in this. Um, you know, in around the middle part of the sixth century, we see that um, instead of going to the lakes and marshes and you know wetlands, they they actually seek out other areas um, in the mm. landscape, and um, that's when we find uh, the big gold hordes, as it were, as we or not not even hordes, often just one big gold ring like a neck ring um placed um in like a slope yeah uh in a mountainside or for whatever reason we don't actually or in like a cliff overhang like a little yeah. cave yeah. Uh, and that's i think that's important to state as well that uh, the uh, the cosmology was complex mm. and very dynamic yeah with lots of regional differences oh, yeah. and so we shouldn't get too hung up on like this uh, this water symbolism necessarily right? and say that it was all about the water because no, no it was that was just one expression and sometimes this takes up a lot of space in their worldview in other periods not so much water is convenient because uh well norse culture at least was very naval you know, it was a uh, maritime culture yeah and so it's it's, uh, it's easy to assume why this would have been so uh, so obvious to them, in a sense. But even though that is the case, we also find um, examples of uh, of sacrifices that are not related to, mm -hmm. to water in any way. And but this is also represented in uh, the the later Norse mythological sources uh, that uh, that you can get, for example, to the world of the dead, uh, not only through water but also by traveling far as fuck, you know, eastwards or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Or you can even fly up in the sky and you can go underground. So uh, these sources, they they seem to contradict each other, but maybe they didn't to these people. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say we have to be careful as well, because we know that they even had structures, you know. They had uh, votive houses, um, yeah. rich, uh, temples. And uh, so, so there's a lot of ways to to, to communicate um, with the gods uh, or or a particular god, and uh, the war booty sacrifices and the uh, you know the bug sacrifices they're just one one ticket I guess uh, of, of many tickets and it's it's also interesting that we should mention uh, at the Uppwaka where you have the the temple uh, you also had uh, weapon sacrifices. In the temple, 
uh, where you have like uh, lanceheads, does it say, spearheads uh, from the third century in a sixth century context. So uh, so clearly, you know, they were either collecting old weapons or it is actually ritualistic. Uh, they were just, you know, deposited in the temple uh, uh, for whatever reason and, uh, you know, either destroyed or just, you know, hanged on walls or this or that. It's, it's, it's hard for us to say with any certainty how, how they were displayed or if they were displayed in the first place. But they, at least they, they found their end of the cycle in, in the temple. Um, mm. in and around the temple and um, uh, some, some scholars have made kind of an analogy to like the tradition that we have in, in Japan where you you know deposit a weapon to the temple and uh, the the idea that you donate something or offer something so it is the act of giving up something to, to get something perhaps or to, to save someone or you know there are, of course, uh, as we already mentioned, with the ships, you know, Kvalsund and um, other ships uh, in the uh, later Iron Age in Scandinavia, they get sacrificed or put into bogs, lakes. And um, we also have, um, uh, for instance, in, in South Scandinavia, in all of these uh, weapon uh, sacrifices, a continued use into the 7th century, uh, but not necessarily with that many weapons there might be one weapon i get like put in the same lane yeah uh there might be like wooden bowls uh and vessels that gets used um as as a, as a sacrifice um but less frequently and uh, sooner or later no one puts anything in anymore and it just gets you know the, it, just like a distant memory of mm -hmm. something that happened once and it just sooner or later either you know becomes folklore or it just gets forgotten and um and then somebody makes a podcast about it yeah <laughs> like ultimately that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we will inspire others to start chucking shit in the oceans again well i think <laughs> we're already well ahead of time you know considering the uh, the amount of plastic in the oceans and we were, i guess we already left yeah. uh, legacy there but just sacrificing ourselves just slowly well let's give ourselves a round of applause Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brute Norse Podcast. I hope you're managing in the summer heat and not burning to death in some forest fire in middle Sweden. Making podcasts and writing articles for Brute Norse is hard, thankless, and sometimes expensive work. Therefore, I would like to thank those of you who support Brute Norse through patreon.com forward slash Brute Norse. If you would like to support the podcast, I will highly encourage it, but I will obviously not force you. However, if you do, all supporters get exclusive pre-releases of every episode, and some tiers even get a physical reward, which I will eventually expand upon as Brute Norse grows. Once again, thank you for listening to the Brute Norse Podcast, where we walk backwards into the future. <laughs> <laughs>